Now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Look for the Union Naval. And to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. From my cold, dead hands. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It's time for the Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan. Welcome aboard, everybody. Welcome aboard. I'm ever yours, Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Thank you so much for joining us. If this is your virgin voyage, allow me to share with you our mantra. Folks, we want the Republicans out of our bedroom, the Democrats out of our wallets, and both out of our First and Second Amendment rights. We feel there exists this cavernous gap separating the two orthodoxies and that it's a gap comprised of many degreed thinking people who can argue quite passionately in shades of gray. And to that end, each and every show, we have fine guests to help best illustrate this point. Today is no exception. Also, if you wish to hook up with us on the web, it's www.alannathan.com. Don't forget that email address, alan at alannathan.com. That's A-L-A-N. Coming at you live and strong each and every Monday through Friday at this time. Don't forget the classic Alan Nathan show, Saturdays, 6 to 7 p.m. And overnight Sunday mornings, 3 to 4, all times Eastern. We are indeed a Main Street Radio Network production. Please check us out at MainStreetRadioNetwork.com. Feel free to avail yourselves of our nascent but always robust Twitter and Facebook options that we have there for you. And, of course, with great dispatch and alacrity, we'd love to thank our distributor, the Salem Radio Network. That's right. The Alan Nathan Show is entering its 25th year of national syndication, all thanks to you, reaching about 800 towns and cities across a couple of hundred radio station broadcasts each week. Again, all thanks to you. And, by the way, I don't care if you're part of the authoritarian left or perpetually clueless right. Please get out of the thought control business. Our topics du jour, as you may have heard, because they are so in the plenty. I mean, folks, let's just be honest. I mean, you could blindfold any of us, uh, give us a dart, tell us the throat. We're going to hit something of relevance, are we not? I mean, it's just absolutely a head scratch, but there we are. Uh, anyway, a Manhattan jury found uh, Donald Trump liable for deframing uh, writer E. Jean Carroll, as I'm sure you've all heard. And uh, they did so because he called her a liar after she had accused him of a rape, which that same jury also determined was untrue. I'm, I, it's a head-scratcher here. You're going to uh, rule in her favor because uh, you believe that she's right in saying that Trump defamed her. But all that's resting on the fact that uh, he called her a liar for an event that that same jury also said was untrue. I, I, I mean, I'm just beyond scratching my head. They also found that he was guilty of uh, uh, a sexual assault, but again, um, not for rape. And absent evidence to the contrary of anything, how do they arrive at this conclusion with enough preponderance of evidence to find um, you know, a conclusion of guilt? I, I, I'm just at a loss. I don't know if the guy did it or not. I just do know that as per... The rules we have in place, this is normally not enough to justify somebody being found guilty of a crime. Let's say, you know, we don't believe you. They're telling E.G. Carroll, you know, lady, we don't believe you when you said that he raped you. But we're still going to find that Trump defamed you when he said that it was just as untrue as we find it. (laughs) We're going to find that he defamed you just because he said uh, that which you've accused him of is just as untrue as we found it to be. It's just, 
it's just so counterintuitive. Anyway, uh, Biden blames Congress, by the way, um, not passing his immigration plan for the reason why there's, quote unquote, chaos at the border for the number for a number of years. That's what he said. He, he blames Congress not passing his immigration plan for the, quote unquote, chaos at the border for a number of years, unquote. This is despite the fact that there's something called Title Eight that already gives any president all actionable authority required to control all borders. I mean, why does he forget that inarguable reality? Another head-scratcher. Oh, by the way, CNN uh, chooses the audience that winds up attending the town hall with Trump, and yet that same audience frequently cheers for Trump. They <laughs> cheer for Trump over the anchor moderator, Caitlin Collins, uh, during his uh, town hall uh, meeting. And this, of course, uh, uh, triggers anti-Trumpers like MSNBC Joe Scarborough to lose their collective cookies. Is is that perhaps why CNN cut the event short, because it wasn't going as planned? Also, an ABC Washington Post poll shows most prefer, most pre- actually prefer Trump over Biden. Um, but still, Washington Examiner reporter Jack Barle, B-I-R-L-E, we'll say Barle or Burley, Anyway, he argues that while Trump is ahead of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis when looking at his primary uh, competitors, Ron DeSantis, of course, not yet declaring, but they're always putting out these polls with a hypothetical matchup with Trump versus Ron DeSantis. And Jack uh, Barr, I was going to say call him Burley, right? B-I-R-L-E. He argues that while Trump is ahead of DeSantis, he still doesn't, quote, fare as well in polls putting him against Biden, unquote. We just had a bombshell poll from the ABC Washington Post people saying that a sizable majority preferred Trump over Biden. They think, they think that Biden uh, has not handled the economy as well as Trump did. They also give Trump higher grades for handling immigration than they do Biden. But yet still, Jack Burley is going to suggest that while Trump is ahead of DeSantis, he doesn't fare as well in polls putting up against Biden. I mean, does the examiner now also camouflage bias as journalism? I wouldn't think so. I've always thought highly of the paper. I found this to be an aberration myself. So we're going to call him Jack Burley, B-I-R-L-E. My apologies if I'm not pronouncing his surname correctly. But um, I, I find it odd. And he's, he's their breaking news reporter. But I'll tell you the truth. You read this report of his, and it just sounds like it, it came out of uh, an anti-Trump convention it really does and folks i'm not for trump i'm not for trump i want desantis i'll tell you the truth if it winds up being between rfk jr and trump i'm gonna have to wonder about that i like a lot of the things rfk rfk jr is reminding me of what centrist democrats used to be you know they were social progressive but they were big on the constitution they didn't believe in the living document version of it they they believed in the constitution but they were social progressives but they believed in the Constitution with its hardcore standards, not the silly living document theory. Because by that measure, all of a sudden, all of our protections under the Bill of Rights become less guaranteed simply because of the age of their text. That's the problem with it. Oh, because the document's so old, we just have to go with court interpretations all the time. No! Oh, don't get me wrong. I, I, you know, there's something called judicial review, okay? And, you know, for better or for worse, yeah, we have to trust with uh, courts when it comes to 
interpreting the Constitution because there are plenty of times when the Constitution just doesn't have corresponding text to deal with a particular challenge and focus. So for better or for worse, we'll go with the court. But there are plenty of times where there's very precise wording, and yet the left still want to say, oh, in the name of the living document theory, they're not bound to that. No, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Because by that measure, all of a sudden, all of our protections under the Bill of Rights really do become less guaranteed simply because of the age of their text. And I really feel that most Americans believe that our individual rights should be timeless, not time-limited. Just a take. Now, I want to go ahead and share a couple of clips with you very quickly. Uh, this is from that CNN town hall. It's a trip. Uh, you, you, you have um, – actually, you know what? Before I go to that, let me go to Trump's attorney after the verdict in that, that favored E. Jean Carroll. Uh, let's hear what he had to say, and then we'll follow up. Clip one, James, if you please. Strange verdict. Um, this was a rape claim. It was a rape case all along, and the jury rejected that, but made all the findings. So um, we'll obviously be appealing those other findings, but they rejected her rape claim, and she'd always claimed this was a rape case. Um, so it's a little perplexing, but, um, you know, we move forward. Did you speak to Mr. Trump, and what did he tell you? We've spoken, um, and we're ready to, you know, proceed, go forward. Obviously, you know, he's firm in his belief, as many people are, that he cannot get a fair trial in New York City um, based on the jury pool. And um, I think one could argue that that's probably a, an accurate assessment um, based on what happened today. Based on what happened today. Hmm. Now, again, he's saying that the verdict in the case of the rape accusations by E. Jean Carroll was strange because, again, the court decided to say that Trump was guilty of something different than what Carroll had accused him of. And he says this is going to lend credence to the idea that Trump can't receive a fair trial in New York City. She apparently never really went after him for, you know, um, sexual assault or not sexual assault but sexual harassment or any of that uh, thing of that nature she, 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 she accused him of rape and the jury found that she wasn't accurate in that but they still went ahead and said that she was accurate in claiming that he had defamed her when he called her a liar but again he called her a liar over the very event that the jury said never happened so unless language is no longer tethered to the meanings of the words that comprise it you have to ask yourself a question. WTF, man. <laughs> you know, come on. Anyway, more on this upon a return. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. Going to be right back. This message is provided by Beringer Ingelheim. Idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, or IPF, is one of the more common forms of progressive fibrosing interstitial lung diseases with symptoms including breathlessness during activity, a dry and persistent cough, chest discomfort, fatigue, and weakness. There are more than 200 lung disorders that can lead to pulmonary fibrosis, an irreversible scarring of lungs that can negatively impact lung function, quality of life, and may become life-threatening. While approved treatments for people living with these diseases can help slow disease progression, new therapies are needed to help potentially stop progression. Fortunately, there is new research underway to assess the safety and efficacy of an investigational treatment in patients with IPF and other progressive ILDs. This is part of Beringer Ingelheim's Phase 3 Global 
Global Fibronear program. To learn more about Fibronear and eligibility requirements, visit fibronear-ipf.longboat.com and fibronear-ild.longboat.com. This is sponsored by IBM. Job seekers, students, and career changers want to pursue roles in science, technology, engineering, and math, but aren't familiar with career options. At the same time, online training and digital credentials are emerging as a recognized pathway to opportunity. Misconceptions about the cost of training and what's required are often roadblocks to success. To tackle this and bring STEM education closer to underrepresented communities, IBM SkillsBuild is announcing 45 new educational partners. IBM SkillsBuild is a free education program focused on underrepresented communities in tech, helping all develop valuable new skills and access to career opportunities. Justina Nixon St. Till, IBM Chief Impact Officer. Technology training can have a transformational effect on a person's life. IBM is committed to raising awareness of the many roles that exist across industries in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. IBM Skills Build continues to grow with new partners around the world, working together to scale 30 million people by 2030. For more, skillsbuild.org. Dear John, I was hoping it wouldn't come to this, but you've left me no choice. I'm leaving. Uncontrolled high blood pressure is really serious, and lately you seem to really not care. I've been there for you since day one, and I know you think I'm going to keep ticking. But no, my friend, I can quit whenever I want. Why can't we get back to the good times when we were more active and ate more healthy foods and you checked on me every once in a while? Is that too much to ask? I don't want to leave, but unless you stop ignoring me, what else am I supposed to do? Remember, when I quit, you quit. Sincerely, your heart. Listen to your heart and don't let it quit on you. Doing the minimum to control your high blood pressure isn't doing enough. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. For help keeping yours at a healthy range, text PRESSURE to 97779. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, no other veterans organization has provided more real-time ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PVA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PVA in fighting for theirs at pva.org. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the oasis for those who have an aversion to the left-right, black-white, two-dimensional approach. Absolutely delighted you could be with us. Well, a Manhattan jury found Donald Trump liable for defaming writer E. Jean Carroll because, she called her, because he called her a liar after she had accused him of a rape, which said jury also determined was untrue. I'm, I'm, I'm confused. Uh, Biden also blames Congress uh, not passing his immigration plan for a quote-unquote chaos at the border for a number of years. 
Even though Title VIII already gives any president all actionable authority required to control all borders. So why does he forget that inarguable reality? Additionally, CNN's uh, chosen audience, they pick these people out. Apparently, they wind up frequently cheering Trump over anchor moderator Caitlin Collins during his town hall. And this, of course, uh, triggered anti-Trumpers like MSNBC Joe Scarborough uh, to lose their collective cookies. So is this why CNN cut the event short? Because uh, they weren't able to nail him as they would have preferred. Actually, he wound up uh, turning the tables on CNN via Caitlin Collins, of course. Also, an ABC, you know, we talked about this earlier in the week. An ABC Washington, poll, uh, Washington Post poll shows that most Americans prefer Trump over Biden. Right now, it's like a 49 to 43 uh, percent gap. But still, Washington Examiner reporter Jack Burley argues that while Trump is ahead of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, he doesn't, quote, fare as well in polls putting him against Biden, unquote. Does the examiner now also camouflage bias as journalism? I'm just curious. Before we get to my illustrious guest, I want to go ahead and share a clip with everybody. Uh, this is going to be at the town hall, CNN's town hall. You got Trump trying to answer a question. Moderator uh, Caitlin Collins continues uh, sort of a pattern of interrupting. Uh, to which Trump admonishes her and winds up getting cheers from the crowd. Uh, clip three, James, if you please. Are you ready? Can I talk? Yeah, what's you the mind? answer? Can I, do you mind? I would like for you to answer the question. Okay, it's very simple to answer. That's why I asked it. It's very simple to You're a nasty person, I'll tell you. Can you answer why you, very why you held on to the documents? I was negotiating and we were talking to NARA, that's Washington, to bring whatever they want. They can have whatever they want. Interesting. And it continues. I'm a little bit more of this uh, clip four, James, if you please. Will you pardon the January 6 rioters who were convicted of federal offenses? I am inclined to pardon many of them. I can't say for every single one because a couple of them, probably they got out of control. But, you know, when you look at Antifa, what they've done to Portland, and if uh, you look at Antifa, look at what they've done to Minneapolis and uh, so many other, so many other places. Look at what they did to Seattle and BLM, BLM, many people were killed. These people, I'm not trying to justify anything, but you have two standards of justice in this country, and what they've done, and I, I love that question, because what they've done to so many people is nothing, nothing. And then what they've done to these people, they've persecuted these people. And yeah, my, my answer is, I am most likely, if I get in, I will most likely, I would say it will be a large portion of them. You know, they did a very... And it'll be very early on. And they're living in hell. It went over pretty well with that audience. Anyway, assisting in the opining and analyzing, we have old friend of the show, none other than Jeffrey Lord. He's a contributing editor to the American Spectator, contributor to Newsbusters and Conservative Review. He's also uh, well-known uh, by many of you as a former CNN political commentator. Additionally, he was associate political director for President Ronald Reagan. Also worked for Housing Secretary Jack Kemp under President George H.W. Bush. 
Uh, his most recent book is Swamp Wars, Donald Trump and the New American Populism versus the Old Order. Jeffrey, good to have you back, buddy. How are you today? Hey, you know, listening to you, Alan, I just always feel badly that there's nothing to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Fresh out of options, right? Just, it's a head scratcher. No, I was saying earlier, I mean, you could just put a blindfold on yourself, pick up a dart and throw it, and you will hit something germane uh, to whatever's most uh, important in current events. I mean, you, you can't miss. I mean, every, everything's on fire right now. Um, that is exactly right. I want to ask you first, what did you think of the town hall? Did you have a chance to see it yourself? Yeah, I saw some of it. I had an event last night, so I didn't see all of it, but I did see some of it. And I, and I thought it was notable that, you know, he was getting a lot of uh, cheers and support from the audience. You know, I mean, Alan, what I think is at base going on here, and you see it playing out in all sorts of specific incidences, the trials against him and all this, you've got millions and millions and millions of Americans who think that, uh, for lack of a better term, establishment elites have nothing but disdain for them, and they will use, you know, anything they can think of to, uh, you know, look down on people, go after them, et cetera. And this this pops out in all sorts of ways, you know, like the whole Bud Light episode. Uh, and then you've got, uh, you know, what's going on at Fox and the reaction to uh, the firing of Tucker Carlson. I just think these things show up all over the place. And last night at that town hall, there are regular average folks, Americans, living their everyday life in New Hampshire, and they're cheering him on, uh, which is not what happens in the mainstream media and all of that kind of thing. So I just and this think apparently uh, was a crowd that was handpicked by CNN. They're the ones who approve these uh, audience members. Exactly. And, and, what, and what does that tell you? Uh, even they can't seem to avoid it when they deliberately pick the audience. Uh, I, I just, you know, we're we're in the midst of very curious times here, and uh, I have no idea how all this will unfold. But I think uh, we, it, this is substantial stuff. This is not uh, the usual run-of-the-mill small p politics. No, it isn't. And I tell you what, I want to dip into the. Uh clips one more time. James, we have enough time for clip five. Let's go ahead. Let's go with that, please. You did tell your supporters to come to Washington. You tweeted about it, about sure, that speech that happened on the rally. Am I so allowed when to they, say that? When they went to the Capitol and they were breaking into the Capitol, smashing windows, injuring police officers, why did you? Why did it take you three hours to tell them to go home? I don't believe it did. Oh, let me pull it out. I have to pull it out. <laughs> so... So if you look at on January 5th, the day before, I said, please support our Capitol Police and law enforcement. They are truly on the side of our country. Stay peaceful. Stay peaceful. This was the day before. If you look, January 6th, this is at 2, before 2.30. I am asking for everyone at the U.S. Capitol to remain peaceful. This is right after, as it was happening. But what happened is they took it down. I don't know why. I think they took it down because it was so good. They didn't like it being up there. <laughs> Mr. President, I looked at the same timeline that you did. Once no, no, it was but you clear, didn't report that. You know why? Because it was we taken down. We did report down. it. I, I was reporting that It was that taken thing. down or it wasn't. But when it was clear. <laughs> he also said, I want everybody to peacefully and patriotically make their voices heard. You know, Alan, this I, is too I, 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 was, I, I didn't go to the Capitol, but I was there and literally had a front row seat at that White House rally. He he was standing mere yards in front of me behind the bulletproof glass there at the podium. And I heard him say to go peacefully and patriotically, to protest peacefully and patriotically. He said it. Now, 
I don't, I don't know what they, well, I do know what they want. What they want is just to pillory them all the time here. But uh, what look, they're saying you know, was already back, said. This harkens back to Abraham Lincoln when he once said, look, you can fool all the people some of the time and some of the people all of the time, but you cannot fool all of the people all of the time. Uh, he was spot on then, as he is still today. Jeffrey Lord, if you can, buddy, hang on the line for just a moment, folks. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. Going to be right back. From NAACP Image Award-nominated author Elise Bryant comes a new rom-com about two teens who overcome misconnections and find their way to love. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling follows two people who seemingly have nothing in common, but after a year of chance encounters, begin to think the universe may be telling them something. Dungeons and Dragons-obsessed Reggie and emotionally bottled-up Delilah meet for the first time on New Year's Eve and again on Valentine's Day and on random occasions throughout the the year. They're drawn to each other, though they are each too insecure to be their true selves. So what happens once they realize they've each fallen for a version of the other that doesn't really exist? Author Elise Bryant. This is a sweet and funny romantic story in which the characters learn to overcome their fears and discover who they truly are. I hope readers enjoy going along on this ride with Reggie and Delilah and maybe learn something about themselves along the way. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling is now available wherever books are sold. Spring is here, and there's no better time to try something new. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar and enjoy real Coke taste and zero sugar. Now available at participating Burger King restaurants. Try Coke Zero Sugar with your favorite food from Burger King. Satisfy your hunger and enjoy Coke Zero Sugar with a piping hot breakfast sandwich, like a sausage, egg, and cheese croissant. Sizzling sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted American cheese on a toasted croissant makes for a delicious breakfast to start your morning right. And don't forget the crispy hash browns. Or if the flame-grilled Whopper sandwich, BK Royal crispy chicken sandwich, or chicken fries are your fave, you are in luck. All Burger King menu items pair perfectly with an ice-cold Coke Zero Sugar. It's the perfect no-sugar sparkling beverage that goes great with everything. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar to enjoy spring your way at Burger King, where you rule. At participating U.S. Burger King restaurants. Sponsored by Coca-Cola. Steven. Who said that? Me, down here. Ugh, what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. Well, uh, what are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. Don't you remember me? Don't you know that we miss you? Miss me? Who misses me? You know, all your friends in the forest. The trees, the pond, that little fort that you made out of branches. We all miss you. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. Oh, I guess that makes sense. The forest is not that far away. Have an adventure today. I'm sure your mom would take you. You're right. I should get out. I want to have fun. Play puddles, catch frogs, and climb trees. Hey, Mom! Yeah, hon? <gasps> Stephen! What is that in your hand? It's my sense of adventure, Mom. It's telling me we need to get out of the house and have some fun in nature today. Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. You know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools, suddenly 
everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills. Skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries. From healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny. When I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. Delighted you could be with us. Uh, covering a number of things here today, a Manhattan jury found Donald Trump liable for defaming writer E. Jean Carroll because he called her a liar after she had accused him of a rape, which said jury also determined was untrue. Huh? Also, Biden blames Congress not passing his immigration plan for, quote-unquote, chaos at the border for a number of years. This is, even though Title VIII already gives any president all actionable authority required to control all borders. Why does this guy forget that inarguable reality? I don't know. Why does he forget who his wife is half the time? Also, CNN chose an audience uh, that frequently cheers Trump. Not kidding you. CNN chooses this audience that frequently cheers Trump over anchor and moderator Caitlin Collins. This was, of course, during his town hall. Uh, this also triggering anti-Trumpers like MSNBC, Joe Scarborough, to really lose their collective sensibilities. They, 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 I, I'm thinking this is why CNN really cut the event short. Also, an ABC Washington Post poll shows most preferring Trump over Biden, but Washington Examiner uh, reporter Jack Burley argues that while Trump is ahead of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, he doesn't, quote, fare as well in polls, putting him against Biden, unquote. Huh? I mean, does the examiner now also camouflage bias as journalism? I like the paper. I've had a number of my own columns uh, published in that August uh, outlet. But this is strange. This ABC Washington bombshell poll, this ABC Washington Post poll, only happened a few days ago. And it not only showed most preferring Trump over Biden, it said that Trump handled the economy better than Biden, immigration better than Biden. I mean, for God's sakes, Biden's had a 30-point drop in support from blacks, Hispanics, and Asians all across the board. The majority of Americans do not want Biden to run, 
And here's the real kicker. The majority of Democrats do not want Biden to run. But Runny is, and the DNC is so behind him that they're not going to permit any debates. I guess because they don't want to risk the embarrassment of having too many uh, challengers like Williamson and RFK Jr. decisively beating the living daylights out of him in any debate. Because this guy is going to think it's a win if he just shows up without help. Anyway, without further ado, we have assisting in the opining and analyzing, old friend of the show, uh, none other than Jeffrey Lord, contributing editor to the American Spectator, as well as a contributor to Newsbusters and Conservative Review. He's also a former CNN political commentator. Uh, additionally, again, associate political director for President Ronald Reagan, and he also worked for Housing Secretary Jack Kemp under President George H.W. Bush. Uh, his most recent book is the highly praised work entitled Swap Wars, Trump and the New American Populism versus the Old Order. Jeffrey, appreciate you sticking around. There's some um, uh, interesting things I wanted to cover with you. Uh, one of them was the way Biden is trying to characterize the chaos at the border as being attributable to uh, everything wrong with the Republicans. And I find that uh, rather strange. Um, he recently uh, said, oh, it's because they're not passing his bill. Fox recently reported that Biden seemed to blame a divided Congress for not adequately addressing border security. Jeffrey, I have to ask you, since when is the enforcement of existing laws contingent upon the passage of new ones? I mean, isn't the answer to that question <laughs> never isn't the answer to that question never, ever, ever, Jeffrey? Lewis. That's that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. I mean, this is you know the, the real problem here is that Joe Biden is a career politician, and this is what he does. He never accepts blame or responsibility for something. Uh, you know, decades ago when he ran for president in nineteen, uh, well, it was in the fall of nineteen eighty-seven that he was running for nineteen eighty-eight. And the uh, I forget if I've told her this, but, you know, the Dukakis campaign came out with a video of him uh, using the same words as the British Labor Party leader, except oh, right. making Americanizing them and plagiarizing. And Neil they put Neil Cunnock, the Biden was, people yeah. put out a statement saying he didn't do it. He doesn't do that kind of thing. Well, this is where I came in. My younger self had as a teenager had been a big Bobby Kennedy fan. And when he died, I was so stricken, I went out and got these albums, long-playing albums, and memorized his speeches. Flash ahead to 1987, and I'm a White House political director for President Reagan. I heard Joe Biden say this, and I knew I myself had seen him giving a speech on C-SPAN, and I'm getting to the end of his sentences before he is. <laughs> so I, I picked up the phone, called the New York Times, Maureen Dowd, who was then a reporter, and she said, well, can you prove this? And I said, absolutely. So I came home here to Pennsylvania, picked up my old Bobby Kennedy records, took them to the New York Times on a Monday. By Wednesday, it was the front page story uh, that, that he plagiarized. And, uh, and he did. And eventually, this knocked him out of the race. But he does it all the time. No, good, good anecdote. Good anecdote. Well, recently, as you know, um, his uh, press secretary got into some trouble for claiming that the border is 90% secured. And Arizona Independent uh, Senator Kirsten Sinema wound up scolding um, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre for mindly saying that, quote, when it comes to illegal immigration, you've seen it come down by more than 90%. I'm wondering if this lady's ever going to bother. But she never bothered even backtracking her statement. She just let it sit there. But uh, this is what uh, Kirsten Sinema had to say about it. 
um, alongside um, a number of other clips that I'm going to play. Matter of fact, we're going to get this from Fox News, a special report with Brett Baer. You're going to hear a clip uh, played of Department of Homeland Security Secretary uh, Mayorkas on April 19th saying the border is secure. Then you're going to hear a clip of Carrie Jean-Pierre, White House Press Secretary, on May 2nd, uh, also saying crazy stuff about how secure the border is and that it's, there's been a 90% improvement. Um, and then she's here also talk about how uh, Biden reduced uh, illegal immigration. And then you're going to hear what Senator uh, Kirsten Sinema has to say about it. Clip seven, James, if you please. That the border is secure. When it comes to illegal migration, you've seen it come down uh, by more than 90 percent. And that's because of this act, the actions that this president has taken. But we know that more action needs to be taken. So it has to be legislative action. We're going to continue to call Congress uh, to do that. So obviously the border is not secure. Anyone with eyes can see that. And anyone who lives in a border state like I do, actually, it takes offense at comments like that because they're just factually not true. The reality is, is that border communities in my state are suffering already, and that's before the end of Title 42. Just last week, I held a hearing in our border subcommittee and brought a Republican mayor and a Democratic mayor, both representing small border towns from Arizona, and we just asked them, what is it like every day in your town? There are high-speed chases going on through the city of Sierra Vista right now, with young teens driving cars and sometimes being killed or causing the death of others transporting drugs and other migrants through these communities. It is not secure. It is not safe. And Robert F. K. Jr. Uh, has been tweeting about this, about Biden's monstro- uh, monstrosity at the border. And he observed, uh, and I, did, I believe he tweeted about this, that a four-time deported illegal immigrants killing spree was preventable. Uh, he said that, quote, Francisco Oropesa Perez Torres has been arrested for the murder of five people. He then added, quote, it is not anti-immigrant bigotry to demand an immigration system that keeps out criminals. In fact, letting them in stokes bigotry. As president, I will enforce a secure border and I will expand the kind of legal immigration that made our country great, unquote. Now, while this message has great national appeal, you got to wonder if it's really resonating with today's woke Democrat Party, Jeffrey Lyons. Jeffrey Lord. Yeah, no, I I don't think it is. But, you know, one one of the things I do think that is happening is that this problem is now getting far beyond the border states. I mean, you just look at the recent headlines in the last couple of days about uh, the actions of mayor, uh, the mayor of New York, uh, Eric Adams. And uh, wow, I I mean, he's saying, in essence, I can't cope with all these people, but we're going to start putting them in gyms. Uh, because we don't have any room for them. Now, when you when you realize how far New York City is from the border, uh, that that tells you there's a real problem here. And surely he is not alone. This is going on in all these major cities. Uh, and, and they're no longer know, all it's, and they're no longer all attributable to uh, GOP governors essentially uh, busing them or or having them reach these uh, cities by airplane. Uh, alone, right? It's not just them anymore. They right. were trying to make a point. They were saying, hey, you want to support uh, illegal immigration uh, just because you're not having to feel the brunt of it and just let the rest of us here in the border state uh, go through this agony? Then fine, you're going to share in our pain. If you're going to you know, brag about being uh, a sanctuary place, then be a sanctuary place. Stop bragging right. about it while the rest of us have to carry your water. No, you're going to grab a few buckets yourself and start carrying some of this as well. But these folks to which you refer, 
these uh, these migrants are not only coming from these uh, red state governors that want to teach the left the lesson. They're just arriving on their own through their own travel efforts. Isn't that fair to say? Yes, it is. It's very fair to say. And there's a price to be paid for this. And, and I think Biden is going to start feeling the heat from people in his own party. Yeah, because they can always spin issues that people don't directly feel. But once they're enduring them in their everyday lives... Then folks are left with the old adage, well, what am I going to believe? The spin from the politicians or my own lying eyes and ears? Jeffrey Lord, always a blast. Folks, you're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. Going to be right back. In December, LastPass, a popular app for managing passwords, suffered a security breach, potentially exposing millions of people's personal information. When a business created to protect passwords gets hacked, it's a reminder how vulnerable our sensitive information can be when stored in the cloud. And for businesses who need to protect data, security is a top concern. To help prevent security risks, the open directory platform provider JumpCloud recently introduced a password manager, JumpCloud's Antoine Jabara. Businesses cannot always rely on an offline solution as users need to share and access passwords across multiple devices. And cloud-based options aren't ideal either. JumpCloud Password Manager takes a hybrid approach, storing data on users' devices and seamlessly syncs user vaults to multiple devices in an end-to-end encrypted way. This addresses some of the limitations of cloud-based systems and bridges the gap between convenience and security. To learn more, visit jumpcloud.com. Vitamin B12 is important for supporting not only our metabolism, but also our energy levels. Our brain and our nerves need certain vitamins like B12 in order to function properly. Even if you're eating all the healthy foods like fruits and vegetables and getting you know great sources of protein, it's sometimes the case that you can become deficient in one or more nutrient, and that's where supplements can be helpful. So if you wanna support your B12 levels, Jaro's Methyl B12 is a great supplement to consider to optimize your B12 levels. This type of B12 is recognized by the body, so it's delivered to your cells more efficiently. It's also been shown that it is a great way to make sure that you're getting a highly absorbed form of vitamin B12 and one that's gonna be retained better than other types of B12. You can learn more at jaro.com. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes? Their age? The way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who who got got his first first job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat? Or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, was a great kid. He loved sports, music, and his youth group. 
One day, Joe asked me to drive him to an after-school event, which was about a mile from our home. I was driving through a green light when a car in cross-traffic ran a red light and drove right into the side of our car, killing Joe. The driver was talking on her phone, so she never even saw the red light. She was so absorbed in her phone call. Before the crash, I didn't realize just talking on a cell phone while driving was so dangerous. Now it's something I think about every day. According to the National Safety Council, about one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. When you're behind the wheel, put away your phone. For Joe and for the thousands of needless deaths every year. Remember, there is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.org slash callskill. I'm Ben Affleck, and I want to thank you for joining me and supporting Paralyzed Veterans of America. Our vets need you. I'm a quadriplegic. I'm definitely at risk with my diminished lung capacity. I have MS. I'm in a wheelchair, and I can't leave the house because I have a compromised immune system. I'm very concerned about would there be a bed for me? Would there be a ventilator for me? Would I be able to survive something? It's, it's just heavy. You know, it's, it's a heavy... It's a heavy moment. This is a war. This really is. Our veterans fought for us. Let's fight for them. I am so grateful for the PVA. They're making sure that we have all of the food and supplies that we need right now. We all gotta help each other right now. We can't get through this by ourselves. It's with profound gratitude that you're gonna be saving our lives. To find out how you can help, please go to helppva.org. That's H-E-L-P-P-V-A dot org. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Every year is Alan Nathan, the Militant Moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. Absolutely delighted you could be with us. Well, get off the, little beaten, get off the beaten path here a little bit and um, check out the debt ceiling debate. Uh, we're supposed to run out of money as of June 1st. Something's going to have to be done. Um, I think it was maybe about a week or so ago. Newsweek had the headline, Joe Biden's debt limit position is losing support. Um, I imagine that support has only been lost that much more uh, over the last week. We have assisting in the opining and analyzing Kurt Couchman, old friend of the show, senior fellow in fiscal policy at Americans for Prosperity. He previously served with the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. Kurt, good to have you back. How are you today? Hey, Alan. It's great to be back with you today. Good to have you. Good to have you. Now, uh, when I cite uh, that poll referenced by Newsweek, I should point out, that there was still a majority of Americans that actually kind of preferred Biden's approach to the Republicans' approach. Uh, but now that the Republicans have actually passed their bill uh, in the House, it would obviously not fare very well in the Senate. But now they have a cohesive plan. I mean, the, the Biden's, mm-hmm. Biden administration was consistently saying, well, we have no plan from the GOP. We got nothing from them. They just want to generally talk about uh, spending cuts as as a way to hold hostage the debt ceiling being raised, but uh, they don't have a plan. Well, the plan has been solidified in the form of legislation, and as more and more Americans start hearing about it, uh, the less and less supportive they become of Joe Biden. Uh, as I said, it, it dropped from like 65 to 58 percent preferring Joe Biden's, and the trajectory appears to continuously be going down, especially, again, since the GOP do indeed have this plan to which they can point. Uh, how do you see it unfolding? Well, I mean, you're absolutely right. Uh, when you don't have a specific plan, then a lot of people will say, yeah, we just need to get past this crisis. It's going to take too long to figure it out. 
But then when someone comes out, House Republicans come out with a plan that has a lot of good things in there about, you know, saving money that we don't actually need to spend, about growing the economy and about uh, constraining the growth and wasteful funding growing forward, then like people are responsive to that, which just goes to show how important it is to do the work of figuring out um, a good way forward and then present it to the people. And people are pretty reasonable overall. So uh, how will it play out? Um, I mean, I guess the president and uh, Democrats in Congress uh, put all their chips on Republicans not being able to do anything. And then when that bet didn't turn out the way they expected, um, they're definitely at a disadvantage relative to Republicans. Uh, I expect that some chunks of what the House passed will end up in the final uh, package. And I think that to the extent some things have to fall out, they could be replaced with some pieces that already have broad bipartisan support. They can kind of slide in and start fixing the system as well. I'm, I'm, it's still a head scratcher to me because um, it, it all seems to be attributable to funny math. Mm. And for instance, let's talk about the stupid use of baseline projections as a way to falsely characterize actual increases in spending um, as, as if they're cut. I mean, this is really a classic mm. example of a political deception. And I think more folks need to be armed with the language that defines and exposes it. Like, for instance, uh, Democrats' complaints about spending cuts, they're always based on spending at a lower than projected increased amount versus being an amount that's actually less. You know what I'm saying? I want to emphasize that again. Democrats will whine about spending cuts that are always based on spending perhaps being at a lower than projected mm-hmm. increased amount versus being an amount that's actually going to be anything less. And Republicans are really no better because they'll brag They'll all brag to their constituents about how they are working for cuts, which are, are, again, really nothing but examples of spending at a lower than projected increased amount. I mean, how can either side credibly call themselves authentic? And how can either side credibly call these things authentic cuts, whether they're whining or bragging about them? Your sense of it. Yeah, you're right. It's really complicated. Budgeting is kind of a mess, too. Um, but the, there are a couple of different things going on. I mean, we don't actually need to cut dollar amounts of spending in order to get to a healthier place. We just need to grow spending slower than the economy is growing to reduce the burden of spending and debt on the economy. Um, but within that, of course, there are tons and tons of programs that just don't add value, um, don't even add value at any dollar amount. So in those cases, they absolutely can and should be cut. For example, the pandemic response money the pandemic's over. The emergency's over uh, today, officially, I guess, but it's been over for a while. And so the money that has been allocated for that can actually be cut. And that's a good thing because we don't need to spend the money. It would be wasteful to do so. And there's lots and lots of other examples like that. But you're right. In terms of the aggregates, the overall amount of spending, we don't actually need to cut the total amount. We just need to grow it slower than it otherwise would in order to get back to some responsible budgeting and to weed out some of the programs that just don't add value and don't make sense. Well, not only that, here's something else I think both sides are guilty of. Um, It's the redundant spending that they allow to continue. I mean, I I think duplicated spending is the easiest thing to drop. Every single year, the Government Accounting Office reports, generally speaking, that we misplace about $300 billion a year through redundant spending thanks to approximately 580 duplicative programs managed by about 180 government services. And, And the truth is we could stop these duplicative programs immediately while really hurting nobody and and the reason we could do it is because they're all duplicated and i think regardless of party affiliation 
Who the hell can justify this stupidity? When, when you think about it, both sides of the aisle could benefit from the stoppage of this hemorrhaging practice. I mean, this, I think, would give us back about, what, $3 trillion a decade all by itself. Now, while that wouldn't be a panacea or a be-all and end-all to rescue us completely, I'll tell you what, it could plug up one big problem area or another. I'll tell you what, it could do a lot of good for Social Security and have that be less of a problem. What am I missing here? You're right. I mean, duplication and overlap and fragmentation, they are big problems, and they do have pretty decent dollar amounts attached to them. Um, they're not sufficient in and of themselves to fix the, the federal budget going forward. We but have that to shouldn't have to be the measure, really? That, that shouldn't have to be the measure. As long as it's one of many yeah. other components we could think of, it's a place to start. Sure. I mean, let's that would that. give us $3 trillion a three trillion a decade that could in and of itself while it couldn't take care of our five biggest drivers of the debt Mm -hmm. it could sure as hell almost satisfy one of them it could take care of social security pretty much on its own Mm -hmm. just that one big change could help that one big driver what am i missing here no you're you're totally right i absolutely agree with you let's tackle that we need to have a budget system that allows members of Congress to tackle that. Right now, they have less than a third of the spending in what they do every year. They need to have all of the spending and all of the revenue and all of the giveaways through the revenue code in one place for them to be able to manage all that and weed out that duplication that you're talking about. Uh, and then they need to do more uh, in order to get the, the House totally fiscally sound. But, like, let's take every step we can, right? I guess, you know, JFK, I think, had it right in 1962. He said, quote, it's a paradoxical truth that tax rates are too high today and tax revenues are too low. And the soundest way to raise revenues in the long run is to cut the rates now. In other words, the lower the tax rates, the greater the revenue, because you allow that many more businesses to hire that many more folks who then become that many more taxpayers. I mean, that reality does both grow the economy and eventually increase dollars to the Treasury. How is Kennedy still not right today? You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show. The opinions you hear on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 703-719-0433 or at our website, MainStreetRadioNetwork.com.